This is our sixth week in the series of Acts, and we're talking today about church volunteers. You're probably thinking, that can't be a very spiritual deal, <laughs> but it actually is. Church volunteers are people who volunteer their time at church or at church activities to help others. What was the first thing you did to volunteer at any church? What was the first thing you did to volunteer at any church? Shovel the sidewalks. Any church that you went to? Wash walls. Clean bathroom. Clean bathroom. Wow, that's great. Uh, install windows. Wow, that's great. The, the first thing I did to volunteer, I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know, really, I could go all the way back to when I was a child. I sang in the children's choir. Uh, it was a volunteer deal. Not everybody had to be in it, and so I, that was like when I was in middle school. And I loved it because you could sing parts and you could sing solos. That was before I got older and realized that that was kind of scary, but <laughs> it, was, it was fun then. <laughs> Today in Act 6, this church is growing a lot. And so there's a lot more to do, and there's a need for a certain group of helpers and apostles uh, pray about it, and they decide to meet this need through some good volunteer helps, through some church volunteers. So let's turn to Acts 6, and we'll read the first seven verses. In those days when the numbers of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So in those days, the, disciples, the number of disciples were multiplying. And any time a group grows in numbers, I think you know there are going to be some adjustment problems, you know. Um, grumbling arose, it says in the scripture. Complaining, really, you know, they're all complaining. And think about all the times in the Bible. Think about like from the Old Testament all the way through to the end uh, in Revelation. There's grumbling. There's grumbling about the food or the distance the people had to walk or the lack of something they wanted. Grumbling is even a problem in churches today, no. right? No. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, think about it. About the music, the carpet, the length of the service. All these things and more of them, of course not here, right? It's other churches we're talking about, right? Um, so anytime there's growth uh, in numbers or in spiritual growth, spiritual growing, there's going to be those who complain because of one primary thing. People don't like change. And uh, in Acts 6, the grumbling is about a problem that's real because there's a need to be addressed and nobody has dealt with it. And uh, the people there in Acts 6 
probably go about it in the wrong way, right? It says that they were grumbling and they weren't telling anybody. So what would be the right way in church if there's a problem you become aware of, uh, what would be the right way to take care of that problem? Go to leadership. Go to leadership. Yeah. Or is there any other thing you could do? Take care of it yourself, yeah. I mean, if you see a problem, either try and help and do it yourself or bring it to the leadership if it's something that you feel like you can't do and you need them to get involved. So these, these people are grumbling and finally the leadership finds out about it and uh, they, uh, they say, you know what, there's, there's all this problem and we have to think about it. We have to come up with a way to deal with it. So the apostles, uh, think about it because this group of people had actually started to take offense and begin to complain to others. And there's two groups mentioned here in this account. One of them is the Hellenistic Jews. Uh, these are Greek-speaking Jews. They actually grew up outside of the region of Jerusalem, outside of Palestine. Uh, they were either from North Africa or Egypt or Asia Minor, something like that. And so they spoke a different language, they spoke Greek. They had different tastes in food and music and literature, so they're, they're a little bit different. But then they've come back to the uh, area of Jerusalem. And then we have the Hebraic Jews, or Hebrews, and they did not speak Greek fluently. They were more comfortable speaking Hebrew or Aramaic, and they were raised in Palestine and uh, were in that, that area there. So the problem comes to the attention of the 12 apostles. Uh, eventually, the complaining gets loud enough, they hear about it. So, and it's about the daily distribution of food for the widows. There is this organized system of relief for those who were destitute and needed help. And so the church was taking care of these widows by daily distributing food to them, serving them, uh, serving tables basically for the widows so they would have food to eat. And for some of them, even they were giving them clothing to wear. Uh, so in the middle of all of this, and imagine we said that uh, a few weeks ago, we said they were 5,000 men and probably more like 10,000 total. And the church has continued to grow. And so because of this, it would be easy to not know if you were taking care of all the people that needed taking care of. And so uh, they um, had overlooked this group of Hellenistic Jewish widows. Well, the apostles prayed together and came up with a plan. They wanted to take care of the issue because they knew that wasn't right to overlook people. And so they, they decided, you know what, this is a matter of delegation. We need to delegate some responsibility. The church has gotten bigger. And if, and this, if we focus on all these other little things, even though they are major problems for these people, if we focus on it, it's going to be a distraction for us from the main part of our calling. And the thing that the apostles alone could do is that teaching of the word, the ministry of the word. And so they knew it's no longer right for them to wait on tables. And the Greek here for serving tables, the Greek here, word, that word for serve has the same root word as deacons, but it is not meaning deacons. These people were not deacons. It means to serve in the simple sense of serving. And it's even the same word that's used in Mark 10 about Jesus. Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So this term diakoneo means to serve, and it's used of all who were volunteering or serving in the church. The Apostle Paul talks about serving in Ephesians 6, 7. He says, serve wholeheartedly 
as if you were serving the Lord, not people. So all of us have a call to serve other people in the body of Christ. And it doesn't mean deacons. It means all of us are to serve each other. And in this specific case, it's talking about serving those widows. Peter also mentions the act of serving in the body of Christ. If anyone speaks, he's talking about spiritual gifts here. They should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. So he's saying that even it's a spiritual gift in a way, uh, the gift of, of helps it's called, or serving, the gift of serving. So um, all of us though, even if we don't have that extra special spiritual gift, are called to serve each other. So the church here has a decision to make. It says that it pleased them to do this. They were in agreement, and so they needed to choose seven men, and seven is a precedent um, in uh, the Old Testament. There's a precedent for choosing seven people, and rabbis also regularly appointed seven men on committees to carry out certain tasks. So there's a kind of a tradition there of seven, and they decided to choose seven. And they came up with some things to make their choice. The first was that they wanted people to be full of the Spirit. In other words, they wanted them to be um, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the second thing was full of wisdom, and that is abounding in insight and having skill and understanding. So they wanted these people not to just be uh, the standard people. They wanted them to be, you know, like more like people who were in leadership. And so that was their standard. And they were, it was a pretty high standard because, I mean, these guys, they're just going to be waiting tables. They're basically waiters. So why do you think, think about this, why was it important to have these people judged by such a high standard if they're just going to be serving tables? They would quelch the disagreements and the, they would know how to calm they would know how to calm people and take care of disagreements. Yeah, anything else? Yeah. They represent, they're, they're the face of the church. They represent the church, the face of the church. Yeah, anything else? Yeah, the, the thing is, these people, even though they're just waiting on tables, these people have an important role. And so they chose seven people, Stephen or Stephanos in... Uh, in the Greek, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Permenus, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. So they've got all these guys. These all have Greek names. And so they represent the group that's been overlooked, right? These are Hellenist Jewish people. So they have not only an obligation to serve the people currently ser being served, but they're going to know if someone's been overlooked as they have the widows come to receive the distribution of food. They're going to know if everybody's there. So this was a great group of people to choose. Uh, the apostles laid hands on them and prayed for them. It was a commissioning or a conferring of a blessing on these people as they started this ministry. And uh, the early church dealt with its first big problem. <laughs> and they handled it well. And out of this new level of care for people, uh, they started this ministry. And it was necessary for the church to do this if it was going to continue to grow. And the delegation of ministry needed to happen. 
There were things that the apostles needed to delegate. They couldn't be doing everything, and they needed to continue to do the things that they alone could do and delegate off to others the things that they didn't have to do, things other people could do. And it, um, it says after that, the number of disciples increased rapidly. And it also helped, like we were seeing in the video before, about how once we have our relationship with Christ, we don't just focus on us. We want to give to others, serve others. And so it helped them be more outwardly focused as a church. And it says that even a large number of priests, these are priests, Jewish priests, a large number of them became followers of Jesus Christ. So as they're handling this in a, in a way that honors God and is a witness to the others, the church continues to grow and even get people as part of that group who were former priests. The impact of the decision is that further growth took place. And when the church handles conflict in a godly way, it's a witness to the world around us of how God is in our decisions and in our hearts. So then let's look at it. It goes further in Acts 6 here and tells us a little bit about Stephen. So let's read 8 through the end of the chapter. Acts 6, starting at verse 8. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stops speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. So one of the new team that's serving the widows is Stephen. And his name means a crown or a garland. And he's noted here to be a man who's full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. He has a reputation as a man of faith and who works and operates in the power of the Holy Spirit when he's ministering. And we don't know much about him other than what's right here about him. He's probably a Greek-speaking Jewish settler who had returned to Jerusalem and is originally from somewhere else. And it also tells us that he's someone that performed great signs and wonders. And it sounds like he's maybe more suited for, for leadership above that of handing out food in the church, right? Yet this is his volunteer ministry of just serving the widows. Even though he's, he can speak well and he can do all these things and people are obviously signs and wonders, it means people are being healed and he's being able to do things under the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, I'm not too good to just wait tables for now. I'm not too good to do what some might say is a lesser task, but I see it as God's will for me right now. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 25, Paul tells us, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? 
as it is, there are many parts but one body. He's talking about the body of Christ and how we're all parts and how we all have a function. And he compares it to different parts of the, the human body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. So this is what's going on here in Acts 6. Serving tables, waiting tables, is not a lesser task. People of any position serving in the church should be people of faith, should be filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. In the body of Christ, there are many parts, there's many of us, and we all have something God's calling us to at the moment. And God will put us in the places that he wants us to be if we will let him. People who have volunteer ministry influence people around them. You know, we should all desire to be all God has for us, even if we're just doing something like waiting tables. Our ability to influence those around us, to follow Jesus more closely, to lead people to know Jesus, that is how all of us should be. Uh, full of faith, filled with the Holy Spirit, and following what God has for us each day. We can, we can pray for people to be healed, just like Stephen obviously did, and pray for God's power to flow through us, that we are used by God in whatever place we are, in our jobs, in the church, whatever we're volunteering to do, that God uses us to touch and impact other people's lives, and even to pray for them to be healed, to pray for them for what their needs are. No matter what we do in the body of Christ, it's all important. No matter what people might see it as, God sees it all as important. Stephen was a man who obviously spoke about his faith regularly too. Out in the public square, he was uh, defending the faith and some people who were not followers of Jesus took issue with what he said about Jesus Christ. And opposition started to grow against what he was doing. And even some people of the synagogue of the freedmen, it was called. And what this was, was a group of people, emancipated slaves who had been taken from the area. They'd been made slaves in other parts of the region, mostly Rome. And they had come back to Jerusalem after they had been freed by their, by their captors. And so these were freedmen and they formed their own group, a synagogue, because they spoke Greek and not Hebrew. And so they wanted to be able to worship in the language that they knew best. And so these people began to argue with Stephen. These particular people uh, must have been because they were all speaking Greek, right? And they couldn't stand against the wisdom that the Holy Spirit was giving Stephen as he stood up for Jesus Christ and began to tell about salvation through Jesus. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, God gives us the words that we need. And so he was given the words that he needed as he defended his faith. And they were so powerful because they were words from the Holy Spirit through him that the other people couldn't argue with him. It says they couldn't stand up against his words. 
Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 10, But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. And just like that particular scenario, when you are speaking with other people, sharing your faith, I mean, how many of you have ever been sharing about what Jesus has done in your life and you say things and afterwards you think, wow, I can't believe that God gave me those words. That was incredible. And you know it was the Holy Spirit speaking through you. So the people know they can't win an argument against Stephen and win. Um, they can't argue against him and win. The only way they come up with is to make something up. They met secretly and they said, you know what, here's what we're going to do. And so they got a false witness to complain against him, to try and get him out of the way. It's kind of like Daniel in the Old Testament. Remember, he lived such an obedient, righteous life and he did the things that God called him to do. <laughs> he was not a priest. He was not like a le leader in the church. He's just a civil employee, a government worker. And people didn't like that he would do the things that God called him to do, that he would pray, and that he was like unbelievably amazing at his job. And so they thought, we got to get this guy out of the way because he's standing in the way of our promotion. And so what they did was make up stuff or twist the truth and come against him. And that's how he ended up in the den of lions, remember? Well, just like Daniel was rescued because of what God showed him, Stephen had God come to his aid when he was speaking to the people and give him the words to say. But we'll find out next week what the end of his story is. He was an honorable man who couldn't have said the things that these false witnesses brought against him. Saying he spoke against the temple and against Jewish law, they uh, stirred up the people, the elders, the teachers of the law with well-crafted lies and tried to get him in trouble. But Stephen stood firm and said the things that God had put on his heart to say. And so what happened was he wouldn't stop. And they seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin is the final board for deciding legal matters and uh, against Jewish law. And these people despised Stephen. They hired false witnesses to speak against him. So the false witnesses testified, and it says that the council looked at Stephen and his face was shining like that of an angel. That means the presence of God was on him. God came around him and, and uh, put his presence on him as he's standing there. So as they looked at him, they saw the glory of the God, God on him and it made him look like an angel to them. Jesus said that, you know, when you go through stuff, I'll be with you. John 14, 16 says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. How many of you have had, uh, I know for me, when I've been gone through, going through some really tough times and, and there are times that there's nothing that you can do in your own strength and power and you just really press in and seek God. And when you do that, you just feel God's presence just come around you in a way that you just don't experience in other times. And so Stephen's face was like that of an angel because the presence of God was on him. When you and I face persecution, when you and I face tough times, opposition, we can draw on that power of God and press into him to get the help that we need. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 
So any anxiety you have, any, anything you're going through and it's tough and it's hard, Jesus says, cast that on me. Let me take that for you because I care for you. So as we're looking at this today, I started out by saying we're going to look at what does it mean to be a church volunteer. And so as a church volunteer, how can we serve the body of Christ or the church? The first thing we want to do is be filled with the Holy Spirit. After we're a follower of Jesus Christ, we need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit because you can't serve God without that. If I'm trying to do it in my own strength and my own power, that's pretty limited. You know, we're going to come to the end of that pretty fast. But if I'm serving and I'm operating out of the power of the Holy Spirit, I have God's resources and God's strength and God's power to help me do what he's called me to. And it tells us that the Holy Spirit's our comforter and our guide, our advocate, who helps us see the truth of God's word and to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior in a way that we can't without that. And so the first thing we need, just like we said, as, as we as volunteers are kind of the face of the church, we are, we are helping each other, but others who come in see how, how we treat each other. And so we want to be operating out of the strength of God and his power as we interact with each other. The second thing is to be filled with God's wisdom. Because with God's wisdom, we're going to know how to react in situations. If there's a, a little hiccup here or a little problem here, we're going to have God's wisdom to deal with it, not just our own. And we're going to know how to answer people who have questions about our faith and how to live out that walk with God. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. That's the kind of wisdom I want to have, you know, um, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive. Man, I want that full of mercy and good fruit. That's the kind of wisdom we need as we interact with each other. We want to have the things that God wants in our life and know how to interact. The third thing is, like Stephen, we want to be full of faith. We need faith to serve God and, and be in the world. Faith is what we need to get through the hard times. Faith is sometimes all you have to get you through that tough time and the attacks of the devil. In Ephesians 6.16, when it's talking about the armor that we need, the spiritual armor to be able to handle all that attack and trouble and stuff, it says, in addition to this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So it's saying that as the attack of the enemy comes against you, it's like a flaming arrow. It's meant to harm and hurt and take no prisoners. Um, and so what we do is we hold that shield of faith up. Our faith stops that from impacting us. God takes care of that and protects us when we have that shield of faith in him. Faith helps us to believe God for healing when we pray for others. Faith gives us the ability to believe that when we pray for someone's family to be restored, that it will be restored. Faith helps us to do and see the things that aren't yet as though they were. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. See, I don't see it with my eyes yet, but I can see it with my faith. I can see it with my spiritual eyes, and I can see you healed. I can see your family restored. I can see that God can interact and do things in your life, and I can see it through the eyes of faith. 
And that's what we need. We need to be filled with faith as we interact and serve each other. Our faith also helps us to encourage each other. Romans 1.12 says, That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. That means that if you have faith someday and I'm a little bit short on it, I see your faith and it encourages me. Or maybe you're having a tough day and you see my faith and it encourages you to hang in there and have the faith in God too. We need to encourage each other by being full of faith. Very few of us are going to be called into the Sanhedrin to face false witnesses. But daily, we will have opportunities to serve each other and to serve God. Would you stand with me as we close? So just, if you could bow your heads, please. There are opportunities for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be filled with God's wisdom, and to be full of faith. And so today, maybe as we've been talking about church volunteers, <laughs> talking about Stephen and the seven men chosen to serve tables, maybe you've said, realized that, you know, there's one of those things that, that I really need more of. Maybe it's to be filled with the Holy Spirit, or to be filled with God's wisdom, or to be full of faith. If there's one of those things today that you say, yep, I want more of that and you're just going to take a stand today, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. I want more of that in my life. Okay, thank you. Just as the apostles laid hands on the volunteers and prayed for them, uh, those who would serve Jesus by doing that food distribution in that early church, I'm going to uh, ask you today that if you're serving in some area here at South Oaks, we'd like you to come up, and Pastor Steve, if you would help me, just like you to come up, we want to pray over you. Anoint you with oil and pray over you today. Lord God, we thank you for just the fact that so many of us here serve in some way. And uh, it's almost amazing. Uh, churches, other churches would love if they had all their people helping in some way. And so, Lord God, I just pray blessing and favor and peace and everything, Lord God, that you desire for us to be poured out in abundance on us. Lord, we receive everything you have for us, and Lord, thank you that there's not division, there's not um, grumbling, that there is just a group of people that love you and love each other. We just thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.